This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Excited as always to be here alongside Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? Doing well. I celebrated a birthday and I got a new hospice dog. Well, happy birthday to you. Congratulations to the uh, the Lucas pack at home. Adding another one. This is this is always exciting. I hope I hope this is a situation where things are going smoothly. Sometimes that can be a little. It dicey. was a rough it was a rough start, but her name is Darla. Darla is a retired hunting dog. We think she was picked up from the shelter, and we're going through the list of thing check boxes to see what's wrong with Darla. But Darla is my new hospice foster, and we're super excited to have her. Um, she's a lot, but she's fun. A brief reminder that she can always keep up with Mary's foster dog. Uh, ongoing uh, adventures on Instagram, Canine Inch Tales. It's a, it's a wonderful follow. Well, Mary, uh, so often on this program, we're, of course, we're, we're often talking about caregiving, and that leads us to conversations that tend to go to places that uh, we should talk about, but often we try to avoid. And we're going to spend some time on the program today talking about losing your spouse and Mm -hmm. what you need to do after that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are very pleased to welcome on to the show Debbie Weiss, who's a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Maybe I Can podcast. Debbie, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and happy belated birthday, Mary. Very exciting, and congratulations on an, yeah, another dog. I'm going to have to definitely follow that Instagram handle. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. It's always a fun journey, and we're here today to talk about your journey, though, which has also been very, very uh, challenging, and you have seen of a, of a lot of challenges over um, your journey as a caregiver, and you've kind of transitioned now into midlife, and especially after losing your spouse. And what that looks like, it's very different. But before we dive more into the present day, I want to talk about um, what got you here. Your husband passed away. Can you talk to us a little bit about your time as a caregiver and and what that looked like across your journey leading you to where you are now? So yes, I've had quite the caregiving journey. It was spanned over 40 years and it started when I was 17. The day after I graduated from high school, my dad had a massive stroke. Mm. He survived. He was just turning 46 years old. And from that point on, he was permanently disabled. A few years after the stroke, my parents uh, divorced. And my dad did live 30 years from the practically to the day that he had that stroke. Wow. And he was. I was his person. He never lived with me, but I was in charge from a very early age, obviously, of his money because money was an issue. The, the poor man had to live in independent and assisted living facilities in his mid-40s with people in their mid-80s. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I was his person. Mm-hmm. And at such a young age... Uh, 
to be given that responsibility. And I don't even want to say given. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I stepped up. I have one brother. He's four years younger. You know, so he was just turning 14 at the time. Clearly, that was not going to be his role. And I I just saw it as my responsibility. And like I said, 30 years and a lot of stories and uh, craziness. But, um, you know, I wouldn't change it. Wow. You know, I I think that a lot of times we use the word caregiver and there is a stereotype associated with it. And and you when you think sometimes of what a caregiver looks like, it's helping someone who may be elderly. But you stepped into that role at such a young age. Do you find that that kind of directed your life and where where you kind of led into with your husband and, and kind of your journey later on? Looking back. I say, you know, boy, it it did shape me. Mm -hmm. I think it did also shape my decisions. I mean, actually, I had gone away to college and he was still in the hospital because back then you stayed in the hospital for a long time, not Mm -hmm. like it is now. And I didn't want to leave. You know, I was going away for the first time. That was scary to begin with. And I wound up dropping out without a credit and coming home, transferring to a local university for a year and a half and staying home and doing my dad's therapy, helping him shower, you know, whatever he needed. And uh, so obviously that was from an early age that did shape my life. And after uh, about a year, I realized I want to be here for him, but I'm missing out on that college experience. (laughs) I transferred to yet a third university uh, and that's where I graduated from. I, I think I think it did shape my life because I was always concerned at each move that I made because I did change careers around the age of 30 mm-hmm. and I moved from New York to New Jersey. Well, I can't just move to New, to New Jersey and leave my dad in New York. Mm-hmm. So... I had to figure out where can he go? What can he afford? How close will it be? You know, how am I going to orchestrate the move? You know, things like that. Um, Every holiday I had to think about, can I get physically there to pick him up and take him to, you know, whatever relative's house we were going to. It was was a constant. Mm -hmm. It was a constant, you know, what doctor does he need to go to? What, What things does he need that I have to shop for? You know, take his laundry and do his laundry weekly. It, yeah, it was it was part of my life. And quite honestly, after a while, I did grow resentful mm-hmm. because, you know, when you're in midlife, I hate to say that you kind of expect that you're going to be forced into that caregiver role for your elderly parent. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, at, at, you know, in my mid 20s and 30s, I certainly was not prepared. And um, I, I did. I have to be honest. I did get a little resentful, like, why me? Why is this my responsibility? I think that that is something that um, a lot of caregivers face and are, are scared to share, or it's a very vulnerable place to be of accepting that you feel that way and understanding that and and maybe facing the burnout and addressing it. And I think that that's something that's very real and, and not talked about. Yeah, it's, I mean, because I feel guilty saying it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't change it, but 
I did live my life thinking, why me? And when my oldest son was born, uh, at around two years old, he was diagnosed on the autistic spectrum. So as a mom, you're a natural caregiver, but this took my caregiving to another level. And when I had to think about my son and think about my dad simultaneously while still trying to work full time and do all the other things that we do, um, I was a, a ball of stress, very physically and mentally unhealthy because I was giving everything I had to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then, Uh-oh. and then your husband that comes into the picture yeah. and his illness. Can you talk a little bit at, as now we're kind of evolving and later in life and what that looked like as a caregiver at this point? You've taking care of your father, you've, you're helping your son, and then this hits. What are some of the lessons you learned in that moment? So by the time my husband um, really started to deteriorate, my dad had already passed away. The thing with my husband that made it so hard is he and I worked together. Mm-hmm. And after 20 years, one day he just walked out of the office and said, I can't go back. He struggled with both mental and physical illness. And so not only did I have to slowly become his caregiver, I was left with a mess in my office with my, you know, job. I'm an insurance agent. So with my agency and that, you know, (laughs) I had a lot of resentment. How can you do this to me? Mm And it was probably his his illness. So, like I said, he had lots of things wrong with him. And it wasn't just one event that caused me to become the caregiver. It slowly evolved. And all of his illness um, progressed. And for his mental illness, his depression and anxiety, he wound up being hospitalized in May of, I, I'm lost now, but I guess May of 22. Mm-hmm. And came out like a different person in a great way and a very positive outlook. And, um, you know, never, I never saw him like this. And it was wonderful. And we were all so hopeful. And a month later, out of the blue, he was diagnosed with terminal blood cancer. That was unrelated to any of the other illnesses that he had. Wow. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And, uh, that was uh, a shock. And from that point on, luckily, my agency and the people in my agency were able to run it without myself. And I stayed home with him from, you know, around that time until he passed away on December 30th of last year. Wow. That's a... Uh... Quite a story, Debbie, and we've got more that we want to get to with you. We do have to take a break. We're speaking with Debbie Weiss. Debbie is a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Maybe I Can podcast. And, you know, so often we talk about caregiving journeys. Debbie, it sounds like you're You've had a caregiving marathon, uh, not just a journey. And we want to talk more about this with you and also get into 
moving on or what, what comes next after losing a spouse. We want to dive back into your story right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and our guest with us today is Debbie Weiss. Debbie is a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Maybe I Can podcast, and we are talking about her caregiving journey, and Mary, uh, Debbie sort of laid it all out there in the first segment, and she, uh, just to quickly recap, uh, became a caregiver for her father at a very young age, Mm -hmm. and you know that that's got to be just so challenging because you know we talk about not being alone mm-hmm. in in caregiving and mm-hmm. there being support but i can imagine as a a teenager that uh in many cases that you feel even more isolated because this tends to be something for in terms of caregiving that happens a little bit later in life mm-hmm. uh not a lot of teenagers that can relate to this experience although there are some mm-hmm. but Debbie had just gotten to the point where uh, her husband was, her, his life was deteriorating, and we wanted to pick up from there. Absolutely. I, th- I think, Debbie, there's so many caregivers, like Jason said, who don't have a lot or don't know where to lean to um, or maybe don't have as many supports as others. Did you get help from palliative care or hospice or what were you doing and what were you leaning to and your network of support to to help you as a caregiver make it through your husband's journey? Well, I certainly did have a lot of support. Of course, I had my my friends and my family. Mm -hmm. A little bit before that time, I also started seeing a therapist. Mm -hmm. So that was very, very helpful for me. I was I have to say he was, we, I feel like we, you know, we were in it together. It was his his illness, but I was his partner. And the oncologist was amazing. And like I mentioned earlier, he also struggled with mental illness. So sometimes he could get kind of nasty to me. Mm -hmm. And the oncologist was so kind and would kind of take me aside and leave him in the room and say, how are you doing? And just somebody taking the time to ask that, to acknowledge we are in this together. He is the one who's dying. and But I'm affected. My kids are affected. Like, we're all going through this together. And same thing, we then did go to a palliative care doctor. And I just, I can't say enough about these people. You know, sometimes... Mm -hmm. It's just like any profession. For some reason, teachers come to mind. You know, growing up and watching my kids, you could tell the difference between a teacher who is teaching because she she or he loves kids and wants to make a difference in their lives versus the teacher who just decided to do this because they wanted summers off. 
right? Mm-hmm. You could tell that with these doctors. They cared. They were with me, honestly, to the very end. And two of them were on vacation since it was Christmas time when he passed away. They actually called me when they returned. Wow. And yeah, to, to just talk to me, what happened, how shocked they were, how was I? I mean, above and beyond, I have to say. The other thing that really helped me during this time was I had to have something of a focus for something just for me to kind of give me a little bit of a break mm-hmm. of, of honestly the hell that we were all living in. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks prior, I, I had kind of been transitioning on my own, becoming aware of the fact of, you know, Yes, I was a caregiver for all these years. Yes, I carried a lot of resentment and felt that because of the way my life had turned out up to that point, it happened to me. And somewhere along the line in the few years prior to my husband dying, I had a mindset shift where I said, no, 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 it's not happening to me. It's happening for me. And how I respond to all of these circumstances is my choice. I have a choice. And kind of giving myself that power and making a mindset shift was very, very, very helpful to me. Um, Don't get me wrong. I still felt sorry for myself a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It was difficult. But I... um, I looked for something that was there for just me. That's, if that makes sense. yeah, absolutely. That's powerful. And I think that that's something that is a good takeaway for everyone to remember is making sure you think about yourself too in these moments. And I, I want to, I, I, we've heard a little bit about your book. So while all of this was going on, you, you had a job, you had a career, and all of a sudden you've decided to write a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I always tell everyone, like, I'm a, I'm a math girl. <laughs> I was an accountant first. I, I'm a CPA. That was my first career. That was an insurance thing. Like, I, I was so glad when I had to stop writing papers in college, you know? I was that person. And it, honestly, it's a super long story how I got there, but... People had started to say to me, with all that I had been through, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I would always laugh it off and say, that's never going to happen. And the months leading up to Gary, you know, being diagnosed, it seemed like that whole book thing kept showing up in my life all the time. And one day I was listening to a podcast and it was a woman who coached first time authors. And I really connected listening to her. And I thought to myself, I, I think I have to meet her just to hear what she says. And I did. And I thought, you know what? If, if I'm ever going to do this, it's with this woman. And I, she was just launching a 12-week course. And it was literally at the same time. It's, I think the course you know, started September 1st. 
he was, Gary was diagnosed the end of June. I made the decision in July and I said to my therapist, am I out of my mind? <laughs> you know, I, I, I was an A student. What if because of my circumstances, I couldn't do the quote unquote homework that the, <laughs> that the woman gave? What if, oh my goodness, what if I had to read what I wrote out loud? Oh, uh, no. I would be mortified, right? <laughs> like, I, I can't write. I'm going to write, if anybody's old enough to remember, you know, Dick and Jane books. My book is going <laughs> to sound like See Dick Run. <laughs> oh, man. And, and my therapist said, who cares? So you don't do the homework. So, you know, it doesn't matter. She said, I think it will be a good thing for you to have something else to focus on. And what I wound up doing was, what well, it took a long time for me to get into it, and, and I didn't know what I'm going to write and how you write and all these things. But once I kind of got into it, I made it a priority every day to block off an amount of time that I was going to write. Mm. And so whether it was 6 a.m. before he got up, or it was, you know, two o'clock, right when we got home from a doctor's appointment and he was resting and I'd be like, I'm going upstairs for an hour. Nobody can bother me. Mm. And uh, I couldn't, honestly, I still can't believe it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really can't. I just got the physical book in my hand and it's surreal. I really, I really did this. And I used um, this woman and her company to helped me publish the book and it was due to the editor on January 14th. And like I said, he passed away on December 30th wow. and I had not done with the book. And of course they said to me, don't worry, you don't have to have it on January 14th. And I was about two, two chapters shy. And I said, you know what? No, I, I'm going to do it because I'm this close and it's going to be very easy. I don't know what my life is going to look like mm -hmm. just want to finish it i don't want to be that person who came so close and never did it mm -hmm. i had it to them on january 14th wow yeah man that is inspiring we're speaking with debbie weiss she's a best-selling author speaker and host of the maybe i can podcast we're talking about her caregiving journey we're going to have more with her Right after this, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, our guest on the show today, is Debbie Weiss. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Maybe I Can podcast, and she's been sharing her story of her caregiving journey that started uh, really as a teenager caring for her father and then uh, eventually for her uh, her husband who passed away. And 
Mary, we were getting to the point in Debbie's story where uh, she decided in the middle of the caregiving journey for her husband that she was going to write a book, and her husband passed away about two weeks before the uh, the publishing deadline, and Debbie, they told you, you know, you don't have to hit that deadline, it's okay, but you were determined to finish this project, which is super inspiring. So, uh, Mary, I think we need to talk a little bit more about this book. Yes, on Second Thought, Maybe I Can is the name of it. Debbie, what made you name the book that? Maybe we start there. What? Where did the title come from? And, and how did the book writing experience go throughout your journey? So the title came from, it was kind of my MO to say I can't. Mm-hmm. If somebody suggested something, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I, there was always a reason why I couldn't do it. I had every excuse in the book that I wasn't just, you know, I was, I believed it and I think it was fear and like I said earlier when I started to have this mindset mindset shift and really examined what was going on I thought to myself wait a second why can't I you know if you just kind of stop and let that thought go a second further instead of just shutting yourself down when some kind of opportunity or whatever it is appears before you and think, hmm, wait a minute, maybe I can do that. Mm -hmm. Why not? You know, and start exploring that in your mind instead of just saying I can't and moving on to the next thing and never thinking about it again. And that's how I lived my life Mm -hmm. until, you know, about, I don't know, five, ten years ago and started to have that shift. So, I mean, really, that is what the book is about. It's a memoir of how I kind of started. You know, there is a lot about caregiving, but there's other aspects of my life in there as well, and how I had this victim mentality Mm -hmm. my whole entire life until I started to really explore that and shift my mindset to, wait a second, on second thought, Maybe I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I can write a book. <laughs> and the writing process for uh, someone who, as I said earlier, is not a writer, mm-hmm. was I think the fact that it was a memoir was therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't really have thought that. But as I started to write about stories, you know, beginning when I was five years old, and in order to write a good story and be descriptive, mentally, I had to put myself back in those situations. And I have to tell you, I I cried a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. because I was feeling those feelings all over again, just Mm -hmm. like it, I felt like I was in that moment again. And sometimes they were happy feelings, and sometimes they weren't. Mm -hmm. And after my husband died, I decided, I think about three months later, that there had to be an epilogue describing what's happened since December 30th. Wow. And, yeah. And to go back now, and I've, I've recorded the audiobook, and... So it's about nine hours long, and I had to 
you know, make sure it was okay. So I had to listen to myself for nine hours reading my own words. Mm-hmm. And there That's was hard. Particular... <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, forget that. <laughs> I, you know, once I got past, oh my gosh, I can't believe my voice is terrible. Like, once I got past that part, I really started listening to the stories and uh, a particular story about my husband near the end of his life was... Mm-hmm. Um, very traumatic for me to listen to and I did break down and I thought to myself you wrote it you've proofed it a million times you recorded it like none of those things happened but to kind of sit back I guess as an observer and a listener and hear me tell myself that story you know it was rough Mm. it was really that is so hard you're reliving it all over again and you know, I, the the more I think about your journey, I can see, I mean, you started as a caregiver so early in life. It's hard not to be, not just for you, but for many caregivers, not to feel like you're defined by that. I'm a caregiver. Um, but especially in your circumstance, being a caregiver for most of your life in many different ways, it's it's hard not to view yourself as a caregiver and to... And to um, and almost be a victim of of what has happened. How at is any point other than writing the book? Did you feel like there was a turning point of like, no, this is me. I'm going to move forward now. And I, I was a caregiver. I have done all these things. I've accepted that. But it, you know, was there ever a, a aha moment um, when you're writing your book or throughout your journey that you felt like I'm I'm moving forward now? So it actually happens when I turn fifty. And I'm going to be 60 in a, in a couple months. Happy birthday. Thank you. So when I turned 50, you know, I'm in the midst of this caregiving nightmare, basically. And three of my friends said, that's it. I, well, let me start. I love my birthday. I'm like a nut job about my birthday. Me too. I'm over the top. <laughs> oh, oh God. I love to meet a fellow birthday lover. So, and then to have like a big birthday, right? You know, a, a decade birthday. So they insisted, and I thought, how am I leaving my family? And and we were only going for two nights, and I was so nervous. How are they going to survive? And the things that I wrote out and did for them, you know, like step by step, what to do every minute that you're awake. I went, and from the minute that we got together in the airport the laughing began. Mm. We we were there and they would say, well, where do you want to go to eat? What do you want to do today? And I was almost looking over my shoulder like, is somebody talking to me? Mm-hmm. You're asking me what I want? I don't know what that feels like anymore. And it, it kind of started opening my eyes. And, and one night while we were there, um, something was happening and, and I was laughing and I said to them, you know, did I make this up? Was I, I used to be known for my laugh and it was such a big part of who I was as a person. And they all looked at me with this puzzled face. Like, of course, how, why are you even asking that? And I realized I, I lost myself. I didn't even know who I was other than being a caregiver, being there to help everybody else. I I didn't know who I was as a person. And that is really where I started exploring that 
slowly and, you know, over the years made some small, like I said, but the mindset changes and realized that even as a caregiver, you are not going to be any good to anyone else if you don't take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of thinking that self-care is selfish, it's really just the opposite because honestly, I would be... I would explode, you mm-hmm. know, I would, I was holding in so much anger and resentment that one of my loved ones would say something and it would push me over the edge because I was, I was a, you know, bottled up breast ball. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, that's when I started realizing that, you know, you can have both. I don't, I'm not just a caregiver. I'm Debbie and I need to figure out who Debbie is. And 10 years later, I am still trying to figure it out. I think that's such a, a powerful example for those who are in a caregiving situation because it's it's something that happens that you, know, you, you don't set out to do. You don't say, okay, well, I'm going to give up essentially my identity and, and just do this and then I'll, I'll figure it out. No, it, it's an erosion over time uh, that you don't realize until you actually – take a moment to step away from and assess the situation. We're speaking with Debbie Weiss. She's a best-selling author, speaker, and host of the Maybe I Can podcast and also author of the book of On Second Thought, Maybe I Can, which is going to be out in just a few weeks. We're going to talk to Debbie a little bit more about that. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5. AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to head on over to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org, a wonderful resource for you or for anyone that you know who may be in a caregiving situation, Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas in the studio. Our guest on the line is Debbie Weiss. She's a best-selling author. She's a speaker and host of the Maybe I Can podcast. And Mary, we've been uh, going through Debbie's caregiving journey, um, the writing of her book. It's It's been a really inspiring story. And we've got mm-hmm. one last segment here with Debbie that we're going to maximize. Absolutely. I think, Debbie, you have faced a lot of grief in your journey, and I want to bring attention to that. Grief is a very um, different thing. We talked recently on our show about you don't, you, you can't prepare for it. You cannot, there's nothing you can do per, to prepare for different kinds of grief. You're just bracing for it is kind of the quote we shared a couple shows ago. But um, so you've, you lost your grandparents, you were a teenager, you're a young adult, you lost your father, which was devastating to you. And then you again lost your husband. Talk to us about your grief journey and how was it different in these different stages of grief? And um, and as it progressed, you know, you, you never stop grieving. There's always moments that you have. I've, I've been grieving the loss of my grandfather. And more recently, I just uh, two weeks ago, my my dog of 13 years and 
no one can prepare you for it. You know, I can walk through the grocery store and break down in the ice cream aisle because grandpa loved ice cream. You know, I, there's these moments that you have. And I, I just want to bring attention to your grief journey and, and talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm sorry about your dog. Thank you. Uh, I I do get it. Honestly, my dog has been uh, pivotal in my grief journey, being mm. there for me. Uh, when I lost Gary, the, the thing that was, I don't want to say strange, you knew it was going to happen, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, spent, I spent months trying to figure out, well, how will he die? I was Googling, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to try and figure out, well, when, and what's the odds and all of these things. And and actually what wound up happening was it was sudden and unexpected. So even though obviously we knew, but it, not in that moment, we didn't know. And, but you know, it's going to happen. Like you said, you feel like you're bracing yourself. And when he actually died, it was it was very different than losing my dad, my grandparents. This was my partner. And the first thing that went through my head, and I'm going to cry, is he was the only other person who was there for every minute with our sons. Mm. And now I'm the only parent. And now I'm not going to have someone to, you know, chat with or bounce ideas off of. Or And again, the last few years, it wasn't, um, I had already slowly been losing my partner in many ways. But this was different. This was final. And I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. Like, you knew it was going to happen. But it doesn't matter because when it happens, it's completely different, completely Mm -hmm. different. And those first few months, you know, when everyone's trying to keep you busy and I'm meeting people for dinner and, you know, I ate out a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But coming home was worse than staying home. Mm Mm-hmm. Find coming home to an empty house, or you know, one of my sons is in college, so come if if the other one wasn't here, coming home to an empty house was so incredibly painful. You know, I would just look around the house at all the places where he should be, where I expect him to be, and I I really started saying I don't want to go out because at least if I'm home, it just feels different. I don't know why that, you know, I was alone. I, I guess it was just, like I said, coming coming back. Um, oddly enough, two weeks after he died, I had a video that went viral on TikTok. Mm. I'm not on TikTok. Like, it's a whole story. And it's really strange because what wound up happening was it was like this exciting thing in the midst of the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I stopped, I don't want to say, my, it was almost like my grieving was on pause. Wow. Because I was focused on this other just crazy thing that, that was happening simultaneously. 
And my, uh, I had a male friend that I had been talking to. I have been friends with the man for 30 years. Five days after Gary died, my oldest came to me and said, are you going to, are you going to remarry? <laughs> I said, I, how can you even ask me such a question? Dad just died, you know? Um, so I was feeling one way. He was worried about other things. My other son was, was almost disconnected from the grieving process. And so you're, it's very interesting. And even now today, almost seven months later, to see the difference in the three of us of how the grief comes and goes, when it shows up, um, how it shows up so unexpectedly, right? There are certain times on, on our anniversary, of course I knew what I was going to, you know, feel like. Of course I was going to be upset that day. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about these moments that just out of the blue smack you in the face when you least expect it. Absolutely. I don't know what stops. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel that wholly, um, and I know that many others that are listening do as well. And, you know, I want to kind of finish out the show here on a positive note. We only have a couple minutes left. Um, briefly tell us where you are today. You've written this book. How can people find your book and find you and listen to your podcast and follow along on your new journey? Yeah, thank you. So the best place for all of it is my website because it has links to everything. So it's Debbie. <laughs> E-E-B-B-I-E-R, the R is critical, Weiss, dot com, And my book will be coming out on August 9th and it'll be sold where, you know, ever books are sold. And I'm um, excited about that. I'm launching uh, my speaking career. Yay! And I still do have, yeah, I still do have my full-time job, but I'll tell you, talk, you know, speaking to people and hopefully being a person who makes a difference in their lives and makes them start to think a little differently is just honestly the most rewarding experience feeling that I've ever had in my life. And every day I wake up excited to be able to hopefully help someone else in some way. And even though, of course, my grief, like I said, I don't know when it hits, um, but I have to say that this is a it's, a, it's a surreal feeling to step into, you know, that's why I said, I think mm-hmm. I am finally discovering who I am. Um, my kids are going to, you know, get older and it, it's really become more all about me the last this year. And it's it's scary and good and exciting all at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's about time, Debbie. I mean, <laughs> it's about time. It's been all about you. This is really important. Again, that website, debbierweiss.com, D-E-B-B-I-E-R-W-E-I-S-S.com to learn more about Debbie, her book on Second Thought, Maybe I Can, and her podcast, the Maybe I Can podcast. It's a wonderful website and a great resource for you. And a great way to learn more about Debbie. Debbie, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time and being so candid about your story. We we really appreciate it, and we loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. 
It was our pleasure as well. A reminder that if you missed this episode and want to catch up on past episodes as well, you can go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button, and there you can find the Aging Matters section. You'll be able to re-listen to this show and as well as all of our other past shows. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.